Hey there, stick around to hear about the Silk Road dark web thief that was sentenced and also had to forfeit $3.4 billion. I'll tell you more in eCrime Bites nibble number 30. Hey, welcome back. So you may have heard of Silk Road. It was an online dark web forum to purchase drugs and other illegal items and services. But you may have not known that an individual named James Zong, spelled Z-H-O-N-G, managed to steal over $3.4 billion from Silk Road. Mind-blowing. So I took a look at some of the court documents in this case, and if you're interested in the court documents and all my videos like this, I have links to the blog, and from the blog, you can go into sources and so forth. So <clears throat> the best, when, when I heard this, I thought, how the heck did he do this? So I tried to find some information in the court documents to figure out as much as I could from a technical standpoint, how did he went about doing this? And this passage that I'm going to read to you is actually straight from the justice department. So it's what they said he did. And it was the most technical that I could find. So they said in September, 2012, Zong executed a scheme to defraud the Silk Road of its, of money and property by a creating a string of approximately nine Silk Road accounts. So one person making about nine accounts. And he did it to conceal his identity. He didn't sign up with his name with nine different counts. He made it look like nine different people. Then what he did was trigger over 140 transactions in rapid succession in order to trick Silk Road's withdrawal processing system into releasing 50,000 Bitcoin from its Bitcoin-based payment system into these accounts that Zong made. Then they said the third thing he did was transfer this Bitcoin into a variety of separate addresses also under Zong's control, all in a manner to prevent detection, conceal his identity and ownership, and obfuscate the Bitcoin's source. So then they go in a little more about what he had to do to set up these accounts. And they said, Zong funded the fraud accounts with an initial deposit of between 200 and 2,000 Bitcoin. After the initial deposit, Zong then quickly executed a series of withdrawals. Through his scheme to defraud, Zong was able to withdraw many times more Bitcoin out of Silk Road than he was deposited in the first instance. So he was able to get more money out than he put more money in is what they're saying. As an example, on September 19th, 2012, Zong deposited 500 Bitcoin into Silk Road wallet. Less than five seconds later, making the initial deposit, Zong executed five withdrawals of 500 Bitcoin in rapid succession. So therefore, within the same second, he had a net gain of 2,000 Bitcoin, not 2,500 because he actually put 500 in up front. So he had a net gain of 2,000 Bitcoin by basically tricking the system. As another example, a different fraud account made a single deposit 
and over 50 Bitcoin withdrawals before the account ceased its activity. Song moved this Bitcoin out of Silk Road and in a matter of days consolidated them into two high value amounts. So kind of reading between the lines, it sounded like Zong was able to exploit some type of race condition that tricked the withdrawal system to deposit more Bitcoin outward than he was putting in. The figure of 3.4 billion also comes from the Justice Department's calculations of what the stolen Bitcoin would be worth. Uh, they said it was conservative, uh, meaning the lowest point in the days that they analyzed meaning the lowest value in the days that they analyzed. And they also factored in for things like splits. The coins have taken, the coin has taken over the years. So finally in October, 2022, nearly 10 years after the crime song was arrested. Looks like he pled guilty on the same day from what I can tell from the court dockets. The juiciest part of this case is not all that, it's where he's stored his information. So there's pictures from the court documents of the search from Zong's house. And first is this picture of this popcorn tin. And I'm going to show it on the screen here for the visual audience and the audio audience. Uh, just go to the usual spots where you have the description and so forth. And I'll have a link to my blog that has all the pictures and all that kind of stuff in it for you. So what I'm doing now is I'm showing a picture to the video people that has Zong on the left-hand side, some Bitcoin in the middle, and this popcorn tin on the right. And the popcorn tin was actually his method of holding a computer. And what was the computer? Well, first, here's the, a close-up of the popcorn tin. And then inside it, wrapped in blankets and things, there was this they called it a single board computer. It just looks like a motherboard to me. Um, it, from what I can tell the Rams on it and it looks like the hard disk is probably also on it. And when you plug it in, I imagine it boots up into some operating system and the court paperwork says that there is basically his cryptocurrency information is on this device. They also found a floor safe. So here's a picture of the floor safe and it's opened and there's obviously a lot of stacks of money in there and some other stuff you can't really make out in the kind of upper right hand corner of that safe. And what I believe it is, is this next picture that I'm showing you, which is some like precious metals and actual physical coins that have physical value to them. So that was also in the safe. So when they arrested him, they seized all this stuff. I found those pictures pretty interesting. So with that, that's the end of this e-crime bites nibble, which is just a couple minute update on just new cases that I find around the internet. But if you like this, I'm going to guarantee you're going to like our long episodes. And when I say long, I mean 30 to 60 minutes. It's not long, long. And we take a case like this and we get a little deeper in there. We talk about how the crimes happen uh, a little deeper on the technical aspects, talk a little more about the criminals, the victims, um, basically information that we can pull together. That's verifiable, like court documents and so forth. We put the story together so you can understand what happened in each independent crime case that we talk about. 
So with that, I really hope that you enjoyed this nibble and I hope it inspires you to switch over and check out one of our longer episodes. Thanks. Hope to see you over there.